It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fence side. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. Uh, I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to follow us as well. As we continue here through the summer, and not a lot of news coming along, but we're going to continue to have segments every week here on air, typically on Saturday at 7.30 Central, uh, because we had prior commitments, um, we moved it here to Sunday. We'll try to do a better job of keeping you more updated on that, too, uh, as we go along. But, you know, you can count on us being here throughout the summer. So we're taking a look here. We're going to have our dueling 53-man, way-too-early roster predictions here, taking a look at the Dolphins team as it currently stands. Um, Paul, I look at you know, what we were doing here and just preparing for this show. One observation from this exercise I had is, you know, 20 of the 53 players on my 53 man roster are either rookies or signed free agents, 12 free agents, eight rookies. So that's over almost 40% of the roster that we're seeing as, as overturned. And because of that, and I'm sure your list looks pretty similar on that, we're going to see a lot of these players that we saw for the Dolphins in weeks 14, 15, 16, 17 shoved off the bottom of the roster. Breaking news, Dolphins fans. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they've successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. The new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we're one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. The advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. Did I mention wireless charging? The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. The multifunctional on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Yeah, and it, it's another thing I'll, I'll mention as well is you really get a feel doing this for the positions that actually have tremendous depth versus the ones that, you know, aren't as deep as maybe we thought uh, in, in certain regards. So, yeah, no, this this is a fun exercise. And, and there were a few tough cuts, and there were a few not-so-tough cuts. But end of the day, I mean... I, I was pretty shocked. This is the first time ever that my very first pass, I didn't have to go back and change because I hit my exactly 53 on my first pass, which was like... Nice. Uh, okay. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, and I know this is something you brought up, 
is we have we I think we both have and say whether you do or not uh, a Landon Roberts and Will Fuller on the uh, what you call it list the reserve list yeah reserve we list. we do and Will Fuller is going to be suspended for the PEDs for the first game and like we've talked about before if he weren't suspended the Dolphins probably would not have had the opportunity to sign him to a one year ten million dollar contract. Um, Landon Roberts, it's not out of the possibility he's available for the beginning of the year, but he got that injury against the Raiders in week 16, and I think they view him a little bit more as somebody who's going to possibly help them in the second part of the year for only a couple of million dollars on the salary. So, yeah, that's uh, we've got them both on reserve, so we're not including them in this conversation. Uh, so we'll take a look at the 53 other than that. But before we do that, Paul, um, Miles Gaskin made an interesting comment here over the last week. Um, he was asked about the Dolphins' playbook and you know their philosophy here this year, and he his answer was something along the lines of, "This is a completely different playbook from last year." What was your takeaway from that? Thank God. Uh, I mean, it, it's last year's playbook was something that was designed for Fitzpatrick and wasn't even opened up for Tua really other than in the game that Chan Gailey missed. So I did as if anybody goes back and watches our post game reviews from last year, I make no secret I wasn't a huge fan of this offense, the way that it was designed last year. And and yeah, were we missing some players? Sure. Did we have injuries and opt outs affect it? Sure. But I didn't like the way it was designed. I didn't like the predictability at times. I didn't like the fact that, you know, it felt like we had five plays and and maybe six, and I didn't like I didn't even like most of the personnel usage. It, it, there was a lot of things I really disliked about this offense last year. So, anything different? Let's go. Yes, and my hope is that they're building this offense specifically around Tua, and I think they are. And if you don't, I don't think you you sign Will Fuller and draft Jalen Waddle if you don't have the intention to spread the field out and take advantage of every inch of that football field. And they didn't do that last year. I mean, you look at all the, because of the personnel, the Dolphins were deep at tight end with Gasicki, Durham Smythe, and Adam Shaheen, all of which return, along with Hunter Long. And um, you look at the snap count. I mean, Mike is, or, or I don't have the numbers offhand, but I think Durham Smythe had 430 or something snaps on the year. Yep. Shaheen had 360-something. Yep. Uh, again, Gesicki, you know, obviously was on the field more than them when they played. So, yeah, and and that might be fine for Fitzpatrick because he's a he's a jump ball thrower, and having big personnel works to his advantage. Not the case with Tua. So, I I was definitely excited to hear that from Gaskin. Yeah, and it's it's funny you say that because as you were talking, all I could think was Chan Gailey's playbook not only was more open for Fitzpatrick, it also counted on Fitzpatrick looking at whatever the play call was, giving it the finger and doing whatever he wanted to do. Uh, and <laughs> that's not something that they wanted Tua to do last year. It wasn't set up for a rookie in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's important that the quarterback and the offensive coordinator are on the same page here. and Or coordinators, I should say. So, Because I, I don't want the Dolphins to get into next year, and now we're looking for our fourth different offensive coordinator uh, in as many years under Flores. I think that starts to say, okay, are you just throwing crap against a wall and seeing what sticks? Or excuse me, uh, uh, third offensive coordinator in three years, excuse me. 
So third yeah, and fourth. I, you were you were you were you were right. Well, yeah, actually, uh, if you count all the offensive coordinators, it is four offensive coordinators, and would it would be five offensive coordinators in four years if they were looking for another one next year. So, absolutely. Um, Paul, let's take a look at this 53-man roster here that we've got. I think it's pretty easy at the top here at the quarterback spot. I've got Tua and Jacoby Brissett with um, Reed Sinet getting uh, getting the cut. Maybe he could come back to the practice squad and be the, the next Jake Rudock here where he just sits there and he's the emergency quarterback. But I've got two, Tua and Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I think if you know if they keep three, I'm going to be utterly shocked. I don't think Sinet is ready for a roster spot. And if we hit the point that Sinet's in the game, I'd rather they just run Wildcat at, at that <laughs> point in time. So I don't. Yeah, think so anything. So you've got two there at running back. I'll throw it to you first on this one. Who do you have making the making the fifty three? At, at running back, I've got four guys making the roster. Uh, Gaskins, Malcolm Brown, Dokes, uh, who, who I know we both were high on and we did a segment on after he, he was drafted. And then I went in a di- direction I'm not sure everybody did. I, I, I parted ways with Sal- Savan Ahmed, even though I liked the kid. And I kept Patrick Laird. And the reason for that is I really liked in the limited snaps they had together the chemistry I saw between Tua and Laird, where even in that boring, stupid offense last year, the two of them were able to make some things happen, and I think that that means a lot to this offense. I think Laird could sneak in and be that third down back with Gaskin being the primary, rotating a little bit with with Dokes and Brown. Um, I, I think that that's going to be... I think all four backfield running backs have a role this year as opposed to being just next man up like they were last year. Okay. I have Ahmed as the second running back ahead of Malcolm Brown. And then overall, I've got the Dolphins keeping five running backs. And Patrick Laird, I, I, I'm surprised that you kept him because uh, I thought that would be a little bit of a surprise for me. Yes, yeah, so I've got Patrick Laird also making the roster as the fourth running back for the exact reasons that you said there. I mean, uh, being able to be an asset in the passing game I could see him being kind of that Danny Woodhead type for this 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 offense. I've said that for a couple of years now, but uh, and also he's a special teamer, plays a lot of snaps on special teams, so he can always find himself active on game day. And then finally, I've got uh, Garrett Dokes as the fifth running back. Uh, I I think they're going to go with strength and numbers at running back and tight end to give them a lot of different looks on offense. Um, wide receiver. So, Kat, before before yeah. we move on, the one interesting point there that that I thought about doing this, and, and granted, I know he's a wide receiver. I could see Patrick Laird's biggest competition for this roster, whether it's yours or mine. Um, you know, at that fourth spot for me, it wouldn't even be Savon Ahmed. I think it would be Malcolm Perry, uh, who I know Miami tends to deploy as a switchblade at times. And is somebody that a lot of folks are very high on on this roster. I, I like him a lot as well, uh, but that could be an interesting thing where I could see Malcolm Perry filling the role for Patrick Laird plus some, uh, which is where it was it was tough for me to to throw Laird in there or 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 potentially Malcolm Perry in his place. But I I, I do think that that's a very realistic possibility. That's a great point, and I didn't think of that. Um, 
because Perry, when he came out of Navy, was obviously a quarterback, played receiver for the Dolphins, but also gave wildcat looks. And some, you know, if, if you looked at the pre-draft rankings, a lot of people had him at running back. So, yeah, I could certainly see that. Um, oh, man, I like that a lot now. Actually, I'm going to amend mine. He's, he's going in for Laird. Malcolm okay. Perry replaces Patrick Laird. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with Laird, but that's a, that's a convincing case there. So, Because so, thinking about the fact that he can do the same thing. So we, we, I know we pre-did this, but mine's getting updated on the fly here. Oh, you're uh, good. For this one spot. Just because I think he can do everything Laird can do, and then I think he opens up the offense a little bit more, being able to shift into a wildcat at a moment's notice. Yeah, that's that's a definite possibility. And they spent a seventh round pick on him, so they thought enough of him to draft him last year, and that's that's important. The Dolphins, the Dolphins tend to give away a lot of day three picks, and if if they keep him and make the selection, and we've seen it with. Andrew Van Ginkle and and Miles Gaskin, you know they're they they want to make them count. So, yeah. So let if we keep Perry as let's 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 keep him as a running back based on what you said on your board. Okay, um, let's go to wide receiver. And I've got five making the team. Obviously, Will Fuller is not on this list here. He would be the sixth, and he'll join the Dolphins in week two. So if we take Fuller out of this here, we've got I've got Devontae Parker. Jalen Waddle, obviously. Then there is a major competition between, I mean, you could go, there are players that I've got cut here that I have no doubt are going to be in the NFL next year. I don't think they're going to be struggling for work. Um, so I've got Parker first, Waddle second, with Fuller out of the lineup until week two. Um, three, I've got Preston Williams. And a big point I want to make on him too is if he loses a step, he's gone. He can't play the slot. He can't play special teams. Yes, he's returned punts, but I don't think anybody wants to see him back there on that. And he's not going to do it with with the amount of punt returners on the team. But if he recovers, he certainly does have the size. And he and Tua had a great chemistry, surprisingly, when uh, Tua got into the lineup. Uh, he was actually looking more toward Preston Williams than he was toward Devontae Parker. That was the big surprise part. Four is Lynn Bowden. And I've seen some... Uh, way too early 53-man predictions having him off the roster. I thought he did a good job last year, and the Dolphins traded for him. He wasn't as explosive as I thought, but I thought he, he showed fantastic hands, and he also has the ability as well to give some of those wildcat looks, do a lot of different things, also factor in as a returner. And finally, five, I've got Mac Holland sticking because – I think there's a reason why the Dolphins re-signed him and brought him back this past year, and it's purely for special teams. But there are specific players on this roster that we can expect to be there strictly for special teams, even if we don't like them for positional value. So with Fuller out of the picture, Parker one, Waddle two, Preston Williams three, Lynn Bowden four, Mac Collins five. Man, we're going to be squaring up on this one a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's I kept six wide receivers. I parted ways. You know, you mentioned Preston Williams losing a step. It, it seems like we get a month into the season, he loses a leg. And, and Lee Connolly, just to answer your question in chat, since we're talking about the wide receivers as well, spreading out the offense absolutely helps the running backs. It, it's having a boring, scripted offense where everybody knows – that they don't have to respect the receiving game as much does hurt the running back position because you're able to rush six or seven guys at least on almost every play. Uh, for me, I've got Parker. 
I've got Waddle, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., as you pointed out, all the reasons you pointed out. I like the chemistry. I like his role in the offense, and I think they can really grow that. I, I think Miami likes some of these switchblade players on offense, hence the drafting of Jalen Waddle. Uh, I've got Foster making the roster, to, which sounds funny. Okay. But as, as a player that can do those special teams type things as well. Uh, and then, much to a lot of people's chagrin, and, and, and I know that not everybody's going to be a fan of this, I've got Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant making this roster. Um, I do think there could be a trade out of the wide receiver room, possibly two, uh, as as we have run up to the season here. But I think either Wilson, Grant, or Foster, depending on how things look as things go along, are getting a one-week extended look because of the fact that Will Fuller's on that inactive list. Yeah, if if it were me with Jakeem Grant, I look, this is based on what I think will happen um, is if Jalen Waddle is returning punts, I see no reason for Grant to be on the team. If he's not, then I want Grant on the team because to me, he is one of the best punt returners in the league. You, you take everything he does a wide receiver out of the equation. He need, he's disappointed when he's gotten on the field. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but as a punt returner, I think he's one of the top two or three guys in there. And to me, I, I'd pay $4 million for that a year. Um, if, if they keep Grant and Wilson, now I've got a little bit of a problem because you're talking about uh, after you know spending the amount of money he had on Will Fuller, drafting Jalen Waddle early with Devontae Parker on the roster, with Gasicki basically a receiver, you can, instead of taking that $8 million that you could save on Wilson and Grant and rolling it over to next year and getting a starter, you're spending that money on your on your probably fifth, sixth, and seventh wide receivers. Uh, that That's where I'd have a problem with that. Um, so I, I don't know, though. Maybe they say, hey, look, we want to be very, very deep at the wide receiver position for Tua, and that other stuff doesn't matter. We'll see. Yeah, and, and, and my thing with, with Grant Waddle and Wilson we'll go with here is I want Grant returning punts and kicks this year. Uh, I, I want Waddle to focus on the wide receiver position. I want him to focus on flexing into the backfield occasionally. I I don't want to see our shiny new toy get broken in a, on a punt return. Uh, it you know that just that that would kill me to see Waddle go down on a punt or a kick return when we really want him to be a focal point of the offense. And Jakeem Grant. He is such an enigma. It's he's not at his best on deep routes, even though he has game-breaking speed. He's at his best on a lot of the short routes that you know within twenty yards of the line of scrimmage, catching the ball. And it's he's not an over-the-shoulder catch guy, and despite his size, he's not a slot guy. It's so you have to basically. Close your eyes as to what Jakeem Grant's body type is and utilize him completely differently. And then suddenly he can be a game-breaker for this offense because if you've got him catching the ball within five yards of the line of scrimmage, he can take it to the house. If you're throwing it to him over the top, he could take it to the house, but there's a good chance he's going he's gonna to drop it trying to catch it over his shoulder, just not something he does well right now. Well, it's and, and it, I've got a couple – problems though with with that is number one this is because it could just be his sixth year in the nfl Mm -hmm. so if he can't make a routine catch over the shoulder when is he going to that's my my issue and he might Um, so let's use his strengths and not use his weaknesses you know i do think 
I do think he has value at, if you know if you're using him on jet sweeps and you're using him uh, as as that that piece that hey if you don't if you don't if if on a jet sweep you're not accounting for him then you know yeah he could take it to the house that's where I think his value is and but other than that I I think he's kind of blown his opportunity and you know you said close your eyes and pretend about forget about his body type the problem is I think his body type's an issue I think. If, if he were five foot ten, I don't think he would have some of the problems that he has. He he's got short arms, so he's dropped a lot of deep passes because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's, he's just such a small target out there. And uh, you know, I look, I I'm I'm in favor of keeping Grant if we're using him as a as a punt returner and saying, hey, look, Waddle's going to focus on receiver. If that's the direction they want to go, I'm all in for it. But if Waddle's the returner and you're keeping Grant at four million a year, then I've got a problem with that. Um, and who knows? I mean, and, and Lee Connolly brought this up in chat. It, it, there, there is a possibility that they keep Grant and they restructure. And if they've got him returning punts and kicks at four million a year, and you get some bonus plays on offense with some jet sweeps, I'm I'm good with that at four million a year. I really, truly am. It, it's his value as a punt and kick returner that's Pro Bowl caliber. I'm I'm fine paying four million a year for Pro Bowl caliber return men. Yeah, you could kick some of that down the road with some of these players, and there's two ways to look at that. Is one, it's why are we, you know, having a few million guaranteed for down the road when this is a guy that we 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 know how this is going to end with Jakeem Grant with Jalen yeah. Waddle on the roster. But the other part of it is Dolphins are going to have a lot more money next year compared to this year, so they could keep a quality returner because of that. So. Yeah, and I, I like what you did there too. And you made up a, brought up a big point with Foster. I see him and Mac Hollins competing for one spot, and that's that special team demon type. And they're very different players. I mean, Mac Hollins is the giant special teamer, and Robert Foster is more of that four two forty type of guy. So, yeah, we'll we'll would, certainly would it th- this make get, you feel better about Grant if I tell you I saved us four million dollars somewhere else on on my roster. No. Because I'd rather just I I'd rather just keep it I'd rather just keep it in our pocket. Um, yeah, it just well, if it goes you know, in my pocket. He can go. Like, and again, again, going back, I'm like I'm thinking like okay, and you're not the only one who has Wilson and Grant making the team. But I'm like, okay, you're going to cut Bobby McCain, which we were not a fan of, um, and you're going to keep Grant and Wilson. So you're going to keep your sixth and seventh receivers over your starting free safety, and you know I. I'd have a problem with that. It's not impossible, though, if they, and they no. may want to go really, really deep at receiver. I, I, I've got my six, and I, I think Wilson is probably gone week two. Like when, when Fuller comes back, and one of the things I like is I think Grant becomes even more effective with Waddle, Parker, and Fuller on this roster, with guys like Gesicki and and Hunter Long on this roster, because now you're not able to keep as many men in the box. And if you can run a jet sweep with a little flea like Jakeem Grant that can run around in space like like most people can't, I had to find the politically correct way to say it because there were a lot of other words that wanted to leave my mouth there. That's only going to make those jet sweeps with Jakeem even more effective with those players on this roster and what they can do. Yeah, the, the more weapons you have, the more you can spread the field will certainly... Uh, have a major benefit here for the Dolphins. Um, let's move on to tight end here, Paul. Uh, again, we're surprised by the Hunter Long pick in the third round because of the the depth at tight end. 
you know, so, but Hunter Long, third round pick, obviously going to make the roster. And um, Mike Kosicki, so you've got Mike Kosicki and Hunter Long as locks to make it. And then, you know, you look at, at Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheem, and Seathan Carter. You know, the Dolphins signed Seathan Carter to be that special team slash fullback slash tight end type of guy. Uh, and, and he does have a little bit upside. It hasn't caught more than a few passes in the NFL so far, but I've got, I've got all five making it. I've got Kasiki, Smythe, Long, Shaheen, and Seathan Carter. Now, I, I say that because part of this, too, is I think another team would be crazy not to pick up the phone and call the Dolphins about either Adam Shaheen or, or Durham Smythe. You look at the teams in the NFL, so many run two tight end sets. Like, I mean, the Vikings and the Colts, I mean, they, they run two tight end sets all day. And they could use, they'd be crazy not to pick up the phone and call the Dolphins and offer a sixth or seventh round pick for one of these two guys. So I think that's what's going to end up happening. But for the purpose of this exercise, I've got five. Gesicki, Long, Smythe, Shaheen, and Seathan Carter all making the roster. I have four at the tight end position. And I have Gesicki. I have Hunter Long. And then... I took to heart what they said about the different offense this year, and I looked at the Hunter Long pick, and I looked at the fact that I think they want to throw the ball even more and involve their tight ends in the passing game even more. And I kept Shaheem over Durham Smythe, even though Smythe's a player I like. But I kept Shaheem. And then I like Seathan Carter. But Chris Greer has shown he is ruthless. And I think they like Tucker that they got as an undrafted free agent out of Alabama because good, bad, or indifferent, Miami's been hunting for a fullback to slap into this offense. And while Seathan Carter can play more of that H-back type role, he's not really suited to be the fullback. Tucker's a guy that can flex into fullback as well in in your short yardage situations. And, and, And that's where I think they keep Tucker over Seathan Carter. I think they keep Shaheen over Durham Smythe, and hopefully, yeah, they are able to pick up the phone for somebody, and, and literally, they offer anything for for Smythe or Shaheen, and, and, and then I'll keep Smythe, and let's go, here you go, thanks for the draft capital next year for one of those two guys that wasn't going to be here anyway. Yeah, so you've got uh, Seathan Carter and Smythe being cut. Yes. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, and that's not impossible, because... Even though Smith played so many snaps last year, there's a reason that they drafted Hunter Long. And if if they wanted Smythe to stick around, there's no doubt in my mind that they could have gone to him and say, "Hey, you know, we'll we'll extend you three, I don't know, three years, ten to twelve million." Um, but they didn't, and and I'm sure they would have preferred to do that as opposed to to spending a mid third round pick to probably replace him in a year. Uh, it also gives long also gives the Dolphins flexibility in contract talks too with Mike Kosicki, who should be commanding a lot of money here if he has the same type of season uh, in 2021 that he had in 2020, where he was fourth in the NFL in receiving yards among tight ends. So, yeah, that's uh, so we've got a few differences there. Uh, offensive line, I have nine making it. Um, Me too, I've but got, I it's not the same. I, I don't think it, I. I can't see it being the same. So I've got the starters, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Matt Skura, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg as the starters. Uh, then as the backups, I've got Jesse Davis, DJ Fluker, Michael Dieter, and I have Robert Jones, the guard from uh, Middle Tennessee 
Tennessee State, making it as that ninth offensive lineman. We were so close to having the same nine. So close. But, and again, I'm going to upset some people here. I got rid of Dieter. Um, okay. The talks of teaching Jesse Davis to snap the ball. The talks of Larnell Coleman possibly being able to play center. I Coleman at center. I really, I, I hadn't heard that. There were some talks about Coleman in, in the center position. At 6'7", 300 pounds? Yep. And looks like a receiver. Okay. I, I hadn't heard that. Yep. So with those talks, it, it enabled, I mean, there is something to the fact that Dieter has been able to stick, but they don't ever show much trust in him getting on the field and they try to get him back off the field as often as possible and they're they're constantly trying to upgrade the center position each offseason with with cast offs and almost bends and that doesn't show a lot of faith in the young kid you brought up year six for for jakeem grant before Dieter's somewhere around there at this point I, i think they came in in the same draft i don't have it in front of me and i don't know I, I, I want, because of the development I see for this young offensive line, I just, I'm not a huge fan of Skura. I, I think Jesse Davis proved last year he needs to spot up in here somewhere. And, you know, the talk of Larnell Coleman as well ha, has it where I think Skura could even end up getting pushed, especially if he gets the yips again. And I don't see Dieter being the guy they have faith in to do that. Right. I I mean, if Dieter does not legitimately at least challenge or nip at the heels of one of these centers or guards you might be right on that that you know despite it's i always say it's it's it doesn't really matter if you have versatility to cover a lot of different spots if after if somebody goes down the team doesn't have faith in your ability to go in there you know and i don't see how you can really with michael dieter i mean you know i thought maybe there was a possibility that you know with them not going out and getting uh, Corey Lindsley and, and not landing David Andrews and not resigning Ted Karras, that maybe there's a possibility that they like Dieter more than we thought. But then again, you also got to factor in, they offered David Andrews a contract. Or you'd have to think, you know, five or six million a year. You don't do that if you have confidence in Dieter's ability to develop into a starting center. Um, so, yeah. To, they tried to keep Karras on hold. They were trying to pursue uh, Corey Lindsley. Uh, it, it, it's just like, you look down this list of what they were trying to do at center, and then you know musical chairs stopped, and they're like, "Fine, Scara, come on." Uh, it, it, that says a lot. And D- Dieter, part of his allure was the positional flexibility. And at guard, he'd be even with if if we kept the exact other eight that you and I talked about. Two, three, four. He'd be like the seventh man up at guard. Right. And out of nine guys. Yeah, like, let's yeah, so let's say Kindley and Hunter gar are the starting guards. Like yeah. that's that's right now what's being what's on the depth chart is um and then let's say Hunt goes down. They're gonna they're gonna bring in they're gonna put in there either Jesse Davis, unless he's starting at center, which I I don't expect, but I think you know, you never know on that. Um or DJ Fluker. They're easily going in above Dieter. 
And that if the Dolphins get to the point where it's like, hey, we're trading Jesse Davis at center, even if he doesn't start, we're going to put him in over Dieter if something happens with Skura. Now he's definitely either gone or on the chopping block. There, there's no doubt about that. So, yeah, that, that's fascinating here. So um, another thing about Jesse Davis, the Dolphins can cut Jesse Davis and save $3.6 million. And I go back to what I said with the receivers. They have the ability to cut Jesse Davis – um, Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, and you can save about $12 million by with those three moves. If Jesse Davis is not legitimately challenging for a starting spot at one of these positions, I am in favor of the Dolphins cutting him and saving that money because DJ Fluker can go in at one of the tackle or guard spots, and the Dolphins are paying him a million instead of what they would be saving with Jesse Davis. So I've got Larnell Coleman getting cut. I think he has some intriguing potential. I'd love him on the practice squad. I actually think Robert Jones, I was surprised he wasn't drafted and I was surprised Coleman was drafted. So Jones, I think can move inside to guard and be just that ice box at that spot as a developmental guy. He may, he may be a guy that forces Dieter off the team too. So. Yep. And I, I've got him making my roster as well. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of what you just said there. It, it's Yeah. So you've got your backups, Jesse Davis, DJ Fluker, and um, Lauren L. Coleman. Yep, and 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 Jones. And, and, and Joe, okay, I got it, got it. I absolutely would not cut Jesse Davis. It's We've seen too many times where in the past 10, 15 years, we can barely trot out five starting linemen to start the year. We've seen where we trot out five starting linemen and one or two of them go down. Jesse Davis right now, even if he doesn't take to the center position like they've they've worked on with him a little bit, even if he doesn't take to that, he can come in and do at the very least a serviceable job if it's left tackle, which we saw last year, a good job at guard, and a good job at right tackle. Maybe he's not great, but he can come in and be at least reliable at those positions. And you can't overlook the leadership factor. They're not going to cut everybody that had a C on their chest last year. Right. Yeah, that, that factors in for sure. And they, this uh, this team loves versatility. Um, and you may be able to just have Davis and Fluker uh, as your backups, maybe another, maybe an eighth guy, and be able to cover every line spot if you believe Davis can play center. So no doubt about it. Um on defense let's move to the defensive side of the ball here and with this positionless type defense it's important paul and i coordinated beforehand to make sure so it doesn't get completely out of control that we we have at least on the depth chart definitions for edge defensive tackle and off ball linebacker so at the edge spots paul i've got um five making it uh manuel agba and jalen phillips as the starters and i'm really excited to see that then van ginkle Vince Beagle, as well as Jason Strobridge. So those are my five. Now you can count Strobridge possibly as a defensive tackle or Beagle and Van Ginkle as an off ball linebacker. But for the purposes of this exercise here, we're going to, we're going to keep them at the edge spot. So do you have those five guys making the team? Uh, Agba Phillips, AVG Beagle and Strobridge. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. Strobridge was the one guy you and I fought over (laughs) because I wanted him at D tackle. Cause I think that's, that's more the role he fills on this team. But again, it's it's a positionless defense, and you know yeah. it's he's going to be on this roster, I think, and I think he's going to fill a role. I think last year was a very big learning year for him. 
Yeah, and he is kind of in that same camp as Dieter um, right now where he has got to step up and show that he can have a role on this team because if not, Brian Flores does not keep players on the roster who do, who do not have a game day role. He's willing to cut players with potential. Um, you look at, you know, Kalen Balazs was on this team for two years. He wouldn't have been on the team for, you know, Actually, no, Flores had him for, for what, half a year? I forget. But anyway, the Dolphins don't keep a lot of players on their roster who have um, who don't have game day value. And so Strobridge has to has to step out and, and, and stick out in one area to make sure he's on the team. Um, the defensive tackle, obviously, they signed Adam Butler. They signed John Jenkins for and not, not too much money, but they signed them in free agency. Um, and it's a very deep position on the team right now, at least on the depth chart. How... Who do you have uh, uh, staying here at the defensive tackle spot? And one thing I want to outline before I, I, I give my five, my, my five that, that make it are the fact that we incorporated the defensive ends that are more of a defensive tackle type role um, on this defense as defensive tackles. So with that in mind, uh, Raquan Davis, I kept Butler, John Jenkins, Zach Sealer, and Christian Wilkins. Um, I think they all have roles in in that rotation, and yeah, it was a pretty. This was a pretty easy one for me. A lot easier than I thought it would be, given that meat meat room that they have uh, along that defensive tackle front. So, uh, did you say you have Jenkins and um, Butler making it? Yes, I do too. So we're on the same same page on that. I've got Davis, Wilkins, Jenkins, Sealer, and Adam Butler, and it's a there's a possibility that. John Jenkins fights with with Benito Jones for that final defensive tackle spot because you if, again if you keep Jenkins you're going to have to pay him a couple of million dollars where Benito Jones would be on a rookie contract. He did get on the field for a couple of games last year. So that's certainly a possibility. Um, Can those fat guys get out there in a diaper inside of a circle and just see who pushes the other out and then whichever one wins gets the roster spot? Cuz Yeah, if you like fat guys, uh, which I know Paul does, you've got you've got some beef here. I mean Raquan Davis, John Jenkins, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins. I mean, they, you've got some beef in there, and that's that's how they want it here. Instead of, I think it's a good move that the Dolphins, in my opinion, what they've done is, we don't. Why would we have Shaq Lawson out there when all he's really doing is setting the edge? When we can have a Zach Sealer out there who's going to do a better job of that one role at six seven three hundred pounds and uh, a better I, job I, as a pass rusher. I I, I agree. I mean. Shaq Lawson was not a signing I really cared for that much. I thought he did fine, but hey, for what his role Signing was. Shaq Lawson got us Bernardrick McKinney. We traded that paperclip for the house, and it took a year to do it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Off-ball linebacker, Paul. Uh, so given that we've got Van Ginkle and Beagle at edge, I've got four on the roster here. Um, Please don't and- be boring and say the same ones as me again. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't think I will. I don't think I will have the same ones. I've got obviously we've got Baker and McKinney. Um, I, I know you do too. And um, then I've got the free agents on there: Duke Riley and Brennan Scarlett making making the roster here and getting oh, the axe. Calvin Munson and Sam Egwavon. I th- when you look at the contracts for Riley and Scarlett, yeah, they are one year deals, but. They also guaranteed Riley and Scarlett uh, almost $700,000 each. So that shows that they really want them to make the roster. Uh, otherwise, they would have just offered them a one-year, basically a tryout. Um, 
so I and also Munson and Egwavon have been key special teams performers too. But Scarlett and Duke Riley both played over 150 special team snaps last year for for the Texans and the Eagles. So they they do have special teams skills as well on the resume, and you can bet Brian Flores uh, knew that when they when he signed both players. Dude, the only thing I want to add to your your thing about Calvin Munson is I would love to be the guy that walks him out of the building, like at this point because he was so terrible when he got on the field on defense last year. Um, I mean, there's a handful of players I can look at and basically say they've ruined this team's defensive ranking last year, and Calvin Munson is one of them. Um, but that being well, said, I, I, I think Munson. If, if if we can stick on Munson, I thought yeah. I thought he did well at special teams, and I think he has a better than fifty percent chance to make the roster based on that because he was active for every game last year. Um, what I would say is for those people who have seen the movie Kingpin, Roy Munson was the name of uh, of, of the main character on there, and there was a t- uh, Bill Murray, a uh, uh, big Ernie McCracken, on there. He uh, um, he's bowling. And he plays a prank on him, and after he says, "In your dreams, Munson," up there on the on the screen. So maybe you tell Calvin Munson he made the team, and then you put that image up there in your dreams, Munson. Of uh, after wanna, we're really making this personal against Calvin Munson. I want to say there was a line in that movie too that basically said, "Don't get Munson." Yep. And yep. It's to be to be up a creek without a paddle. Yep. To have the whole world in your hand and just uh, just blow it. That's, if you want, if you want to look at this 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 glass is half empty with Munson making the roster. I'm going to look at it as half full since you gave a 50% chance uh, with Munson not making the roster. Got it. So who do you have after Baker and McKinney? I do have Scarlett making the roster. I have him beating out Riley. Okay. Um, and then from there, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Just like Jesse Davis, I think there's a role for Aguavin as a backup. And so I've got four, Baker, McKinney, Aguavin, and Scarlett making this roster got it no that's uh it, that's going to be an interesting competition there at linebacker and with uh, roberts on reserve as well i know we both have yeah you're exactly Landon roberts is on reserve there and he may not make the roster he there's a possibility he when he's activated he won't be on the roster because he's not doesn't play a lot of special teams and mckinney is taking his role in a lot of spots too so defensive back here uh let's start with the cornerback position paul um obviously Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I also have Nick Needham, Noah Igbenogany, Justin Coleman, and much to your chagrin, I know you're not going to have him on your roster. Jamal Perry no. as the sixth defensive back. Who gets the axe of that? Jason McCourty, I think, ends up getting cut. I think he stays here throughout training camp, teaches the younger guys, gets a little bit of a paycheck, and then goes on his way and and probably has played his last down in the NFL. Um so yeah, th- those are the six that I have. I know you don't have Perry. How did your no. uh, how, how did your list round out? Jamal, whatever his name is, is not on my roster. It, it, it's I'm sure he's going to change his name again this year just to piss me off and make me have to learn a new name. Um, but I've got my big red X right there uh, in the first spot with Byron Jones, Noah Igbenogany, who by all accounts improved a great deal in camp la- or in, in practice last year. We just didn't get to see it on the field. Um, and then I have Coleman making the roster. I've got McCourty making the final 53. Then I have Nick Needham's and uh, Davis making the roster as well. Davis? Yep. Javar- Javaris Davis? Yep. 
Okay. So overall, how many cornerbacks do you have? I have seven. I had Javar sneak okay. into that roster as a guy that I think gets that chance to develop a little bit with this team. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and that is actually the cousin of Vontae Davis. Never mind. So, I'm taking him off my roster. And <laughs> <laughs> well, he, uh, I, you know, he's an interesting story that you know he he was a last minute substitute at the Senior Bowl, and a lot of people thought he may have played the best at the Senior Bowl in 2020. Um, and he's bounced around. He's with the Chiefs practice squad. He's been on the Dolphins several times. Yeah, he's a he's got some sticky skills there uh, mm-hmm. that that run in the Davis family. So yeah, absolutely. He won't be quitting at halftime either. Um, at safety, we're calling grandma. <laughs> at safety, uh, Brandon. Jo- I've got Brandon Jones, Eric Rowe, Javon Holland, and then it, it's going to be a big competition here. I, I hope they cut Clayton Fedulum. I, I know you don't have him on there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and if if they cut Fedulum after June first, they save two point five million dollars. That's a no brainer for me, which would lead to a competition there for that four safety spot. I'm actually going to go to go with a, an upset here and have Trill Williams as the fourth safety. They signed him as an, the Saints signed him as an undrafted free agent. And then the dolphins, uh, they cut him quickly. And then the dolphins picked him up. I think the difference is that the dolphins use him more as that box safety athlete, as opposed to the saints who were trying to use him as that outside cornerback. So look by the look on your face, Paul, it looks like that was a surprise pick for you too. It was. I I had Roe, Holland, Jones, and then Trill Williams sneaking onto my roster. I was really looking forward to the look on your face and go, Trill Williams? And you, you ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then at special teams, Paul, I, I don't even have to go over this, uh, Jason Sanders, Matt Pilardi, and, and, and Blake uh, Ferguson yep. as the kicker, punter, and, and long snapper there. So hey, let's we have a second long snapper. You could we could have an upset there, but I went with Turd Ferguson, and we're good. Re- well, if if they spend a six round pick on Ferguson and cut him a year later, I'm not going to be happy. Um, but um, Rex uh, Sunahara, I think I'm saying that right here. Uh, they kept him on the practice squad just as just in case, and I think they'd probably do the same thing here. For that, so now I'm looking at our at our who we had, Paul. I see if I'm counting correctly, we have nine differences. You have making the roster: Malcolm Perry, Albert Wilson, Robert Foster, Jakeem Grant, F- Carl Tucker, um, Coleman, Sam Egwavon, Jason McCourty, and Javaris Davis. Um, whereas I have Savan Ahmed, Patrick Laird, Preston Williams, Durham Smythe. Seathan Carter, Michael Dieter, and Duke Riley, and Jamal Perry. So those are our differences right now. And obviously a lot can change after June 1st. Maybe the Dolphins look at a player. They're obviously going to do a lot of shuffling here when those roster cuts are made in late August or early September after all the preseason games have concluded. So this was fun to do. I always This is one of my favorite shows of the year. Anything jump out from the chat? Um... Not a lot. I mean, I know a lot of folks don't want Jakeem Grant back, but a surprising number of folks were actually mentioning um, that they do want him back. Um, you know, some folks like like the I- Iggy in uh, some of the videos that they've seen recently while looking at highlights of wide receivers coming out for this year's draft. And, you know, one thing Kevin Yang was just saying is that the Raiders' highlights make Rose look so bad in coverage. And, yeah, you're right. It was against Waller. And you look at 
the games against most tight ends, and Rowe did a well above average job in covering the tight ends. I, I if you look back at that Raiders game, I mean, Darren Waller made two catches. It's like, what else you want Eric Rowe to do on that play? And there, there's some players in the you know I look at Waller and and George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, where if your job is to take them out of the game, it's just not going to happen. Um, I I need Eric Rowe to do well against the other tight ends in the NFL. And and if you look this year, they don't play George Kittle. Uh, they the the Dolphins don't play the the 49ers. The Dolphins don't play the Chiefs and and Travis Kelsey this year. They do play the Raiders. I, I was going to say they didn't play the Raiders. They actually play play them in week three. But no, I if if your standard for a strong safety against a tight end is for them to eliminate Kelsey or Waller, it's just not going to happen. You're never going to find that guy. Yeah, I mean you're basically going to have to play Madden at that point and just you know update your roster before going in and enforce all the trades to have you know your salary cap turned off and and you know have all pros at every position that that's what you'd have to do uh, ignatius just asked apart from hooker do you see any current free agents that are viable for the dolphins you know hooker would be my top guy and i don't even know if i would anymore because i think a reason they cut mccain was to start brandon jones um, that's just my opinion. Then Javon Holland would be your third safety or nickel back, really be kind of your sixth defensive back here in this in this um, defense. Morgan Moses was cut from the from Washington this past week, and I go one of two ways with that. If you could get him for one year, five, four or five million dollars, starting at right tackle, now you you actually have a good right tackle in the NFL over the last several years protecting to his blind side but then again it really takes a lot of the shine off the Liam Eikenberg pick because such a big part of that pick is that he's day one ready and that's why the Dolphins traded a third rounder next year to go from 50 to 42 for Eikenberg so nobody really jumps out to be honest carry uh, on Johnson they put in a waiver claim on him didn't get him he went to Philadelphia but that's the running back class uh, or excuse me, the running back position, I expect them to possibly add somebody along the way. Um, you look at the, the Texans, they've got Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson there. I think one of them shakes loose, and the Dolphins could be interested in one of them if they hit the market. And then Sony Michelle for the Patriots. I know he is, he's been a big disappointment, but if you could get him for one year, $1 million, and he tries to get his career back on track as a bigger back, that could make some sense here for the Dolphins too. So keep an eye on running back as we go along here in these next few months. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to comment quick on the Sony Michelle piece, uh, unless he's been released in the last 24 hours and I missed it. There's been talks about including him in uh, whatever package that the Patriots offer for um, Julio Jones uh, as far as the Falcons go. As far as I, I expect Miami to more likely land someone via trade or that gets cut than anybody that's out there on the market. I think Carryon Johnson, who I know you brought up that they, they put in a waiver claim for, I think that was more of a let's bring him in, let's see if he beats anybody out, and see if he makes sense for our final 53. But it was in no way, shape, or form a lock for the for the Finns here for that position. Uh, it, it's It may well have shaken out still, even if they had gotten the claim where they had the same four or five that you and I outlined individually here. Um, yeah. So, And Juan Carlos Rosario asked um, to uh, 
from one to 32, where do you think this offensive line will finish in the league this year? And even though there's not specific stats, if let's say PFF grades, um, let's say just, you know, loosely where they would rank between one and 32, a good spot would be right smack dab in the middle. Um, and if, if it's better than that, man, you mean Dolphins could be a dangerous team if all and it's possible because you have such an offensive line you had three start rookies last year um and and kinley hunt and austin jackson and then you've got uh liam eichenberger rookie joining them this year that's a unit if they take off together with this receiving core um you've got a lot of great you've got it one of the best offensive casts then in the league surrounding tua the other side of that is if they don't take that next step up and you've got a rookie that you're adding on to it could be one of the worst in the league. That's just the reality of it. But I, I'm confident in the, in, in Brian Flores' ability to develop these types of players. Yeah. And, 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 and I just want to add on to that a little bit here. I, I think the offensive line ends up probably about 13th in the NFL um, by the end of this year. So long as everybody stays healthy, obviously. I do still have questions at the center position, but I think overall the development of the rookies, the impact of, of Liam Eikenberg joining this roster, the depth that they have on the offensive line if somebody does go down, and the fact that one of the biggest things they did to help this offensive line this offseason was three players, Hunter Long, Will Fuller, and Jalen Waddle. Because now the fact that they can stretch the field does not allow for a defense to rush as many players as, as, as these, these rookies saw last season and have to pick up as many blitz packages and, and things like that because they have to commit resources to, to a lot more areas of the field than they did last year against this offense. If this offense is opened up the way that I'm envisioning based on the picks that they took, the free agents they signed, etc., that is going to help the offensive line as well. Um, you know, it, it's there. I've talked a lot in the past about the symbiotic relationship between your defensive backs and your pass rushers. On offense, there is a very symbiotic relationship between your receiving core and your offensive line, and, and that's where I think this offensive line could take a huge jump. Probably the biggest jump of almost. I, I agree. I agree with you uh, as far as the relationship between offensive line and receiver. I would amend what you said earlier to it's not the deep passing that I think is going to help that it's, it's that you can spread the, the field wide with mm-hmm. Fuller, with Jalen Waddle, add Hunter Long into the mix too. Now Tua can get the ball out of his hands quicker yeah. um, on that, and, and and that's that's where I think it because that that's where the debate is, and it's kind of with the same debate with the Bengals taking Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. They like, hey, if we can spread the field with Chase and and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins out there, Burrow's going to get the ball out of his hands quicker. And it's going to take some pressure off the offensive line. The same concept really applies, or you would hope, here with the Dolphins' um, offensive line wide receivers. So thank you, everybody, for joining us here this morning. That's going to do it for our dueling 53-man roster prediction here. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Be sure also to join us here throughout the summer. With We're going to have a lot of segments going on. We're going to aim for at least two shows a week as we get rolling here. Uh, and, and we'll be sure to keep you updated on that. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, 
thinfanatic.com, the fan side of the network, all of our social media outlets. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.